Dermot and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Now, a few weeks ago, we were chatting about that new slide in Wicklow. It's Ireland's tallest slide. It's 90 metres tall. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, it's in a forest in Wicklow. I'll remember the name of it now in a second. But anyway, to me, it's terrifying. Like, I don't think I could do it. I'm just not good at heights. Asked my wife. She had to get up and fix the roof on the porch I built. It's a long story. But like, I, I'm just, I'm not good at it. So, when it's terrifying to someone like me, I didn't expect it to be terrifying when like, to the person that we're going to talk to now. Because I got the message in from them that said, Dave, I've recently trekked to Everest Base Camp. No problem. But the idea of a slide is something I would be so afraid of. Humans are weird. So we had to find out more. We're joined this morning by Jennifer Doherty and Donegal. Good morning, Jennifer. Hey, Dave. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Great. Good form. All so, good. You, so you're brave enough to have done Everest Base Camp, but you'd think the slide would be too much for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is about slides. I've never liked them. Always hated them. <laughs> I don't know. Can't explain it. As and I said, humans are weird. Humans are weird. You're absolutely right. And is it like, you know, obviously this one is an enclosed slide, you know, so it's kind of that tubular thing as opposed to an open kind of kids one or whatever. Is there any, any element of that that has you more fearful? No, it's just a slide. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Just <laughs> the lack like of control, slides, maybe. Roller coasters. No, thanks. <laughs> oh, you're like me with roller coasters as well. Uh, no chance. Hate them. I don't yeah. even go in like the kids' ones and bars, like <laughs> bars amusements in Portrush has tiny ones and my nephews are like, you are no good. Why are you so afraid of these things? Yeah, no, I'd feel uh, exactly the same way. One of the worst experiences of my life is the time Dermot brought me on the Cucullin, uh roller coaster in Tato Park. It was for charity and I did it and I will never, ever do it again. But let's get back to you for a second, Jennifer. How in the hell did you end up going to Everest Base Camp? Uh, so it's a mad story. It's never anything I something I intended doing. Mm. So um, in December, I got contacted out of nowhere by Jason Black, and all I knew about him was that he's an athlete. He's been to Everest. He's someone at Everest. He's been to K two, and that's kind of all I knew. Yeah. He contacted me out of nowhere, and he said, um, "Can I come and meet you and chat to you?" So four days before Christmas, he came to my house. And kind of told me all about himself, all the things he does. And he said he was taking a group of people to Everest Base Camp in April. You know, it was like a trip. You could sign up and go. Yeah. And he asked me if I'd want to go. And he, so I'm blind. So he was like, you know, that's no problem. He wasn't saying take someone in your family, take one of your friends. He's like, I'll bring you part of this group. It'll be great crack. You've nothing to worry about. And I was just like, this man is off his head. <laughs> and did he give you long to mull it over? Well, he said, think about it over Christmas um, but and let me know. But before he left the house, I said, right, I'm going to tell you I'm going because I'll overthink it and talk myself out of it. Right. Um, just yeah, <laughs> jump straight in and give him the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> So he left the house and my mommy and brother were there and he left the house and I was like, what have I done? Like, what did I just agree to? And then I just started worrying about all the things that could go wrong after. Well, of course. And like you mentioned, you're blind. How did Jason hear about you? Was it something you had done as a kind of a blind adventure that had that had alerted him to you? 
Um, I'd, I flew a plane before in, I think it was like 2013, and I think he'd seen a video of that, but I don't really do really adventurous things. I, right. I don't know. <laughs> you don't like roller coasters really. or slides, Jennifer. I mean, <laughs> no. you're not exactly a daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. He kind of just heard about me, and he just, you know, he would say that he just, as for him, he can go, you know, he's someone without a disability. It's kind of easier for him to do things like this, and he just thought it would be great to give someone the chance that... Yeah. You know, it mightn't be so straightforward. So, uh, presumably you didn't, well, I presume you did overthink it, but you didn't talk yourself out of it. You ended up going. So, when did you end up? Was it April you went? Yeah, so we went at the end of April, a group of 10 of us from Donegal. uh, We went to Kathmandu for a few days, which was, I mean, that was scarier than base camp. Really? It's like their motorbikes sound like they're going to run you over every second. And it's got like, when you're crossing the road, it has, you know, those big drains, like, Oh yeah. In between the footpath and the road and it's just so noisy and busy and that was just terrifying. So I was like, right, I've survived that. <laughs> I've done that, I can do base camp, no problem. Uh, okay, yeah. so what, I mean, like, people hear base camp and they think, oh, base camp, that must be right down at the bottom where you just kind of start off, but it's not. I mean, this is, this is a long trek and an uphill, obviously, trek to base camp. Yeah, so we trekked for 12 days. I think it was something like 220 metres altogether or a kilometre, sorry, um, 12 days. It's not all uphill. It's like uphill, downhill, every other oh, right. surface you can imagine. I think there was no flat ground when we left the airport until we got back again. It oh was just, like, it, just absolutely insane. If I knew what it was before I did it, like, I think not being able to see was an advantage because <laughs> you know, ahead of me, Well, look, obviously there are practical questions about that. I mean, you know, you would think that you need to know where your footing is and all the kind of stuff. And I suppose, like, you know, I've, I'm lucky enough to be friends with Mark Pollock, who is obviously a blind adventure athlete. Yeah. Uh, and he was able to run, for example, the Gobi Desert Marathon, but he was tethered to another runner who would talk him through the terrain. But... Did you need somebody beside you? I mean, was it a case that like Jason was going to be there all the way to tell you what to do, or were you just kind of following the people who were around you? Well, so when I'm walking with somebody, I hold on to their elbow, so mm. I'm just like a you know a half a step behind them, so I can see when they move first if they go up a step or down a step. Okay. Um, Jason decided that what he said before we left, which is really kind of always stuck with me. He said he want, he was taking me. I was going to Everest as a human being first and a blind person second. So he didn't want the fact that I was blind to be any big deal. Brilliant. So I didn't walk with him all the time. I kind of took turns walking with everybody. We had three Sherpas with us and they didn't even know I was blind until we got to the airport. <laughs> really? <laughs> so wow. Didn't, didn't, didn't think to tell them. Well, isn't that brilliant though um, that that's the attitude that he took and therefore the attitude that you yeah. could bring to it as well, that you just uh, were doing it, as you said, doing it as a human. Yeah, and the whole group were like that. I mean, most of them hadn't walked as a blind person. They hadn't met me really until March. Even Jason hadn't. So Mm. it was all new to everyone else. And I was really conscious of, you know, I'd have, like, I'm independent here at home, but I have to depend on people for so many things. Like, you know, I couldn't walk anywhere on my own. I couldn't get my own food. We stayed in tea houses every night and I'd have to be brought around, like, even brought to the bathroom, like some of the bathrooms were holes in the ground. So we'd go in and I'd be like, is it a normal toilet or a hole in the ground? You know, people had to tell me everything. And I was conscious of not this not being like a burden for other people, but the whole group were just absolutely amazing. They were brilliant. And so 12 days, 220 kilometers. When you get there, what is the sense of achievement? And I just, I can't imagine how you feel when you reach that base camp. 
and you feel exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose I can imagine that. Um, it was it was really emotional. I didn't really expect that part of it. I don't know why, but we were all really emotional. Um, it had just been a long trip, but it was so much fun. Like, base camp wasn't the best, but it was a whole trip. So we went... We went lower down. Usually people go into Lukla. So mm. we uh, we came in lower down, which meant we had four days before we got to Lukla to acclimatise. Oh, so um, that meant the altitude sickness wasn't as strong? Sal- yeah, okay, um, which idea. was great. Like yeah. We were all in great form. Um, we got to go through local villages. We visited a local school. Um, we, you know, we met all the local people and the children. And so it was the whole experience of like... Walking to base camp was, you know, it isn't like base camp is the best bit. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's great to yeah. get there, but the whole the thing, whole every thing, day was yeah. so much fun. And what's it like when it you come amazing. home then and you've achieved that thing and you have to, you know, go back to the normal life of, you know, making toast and doing whatever else you do normally? Yeah, making your own food and going back to work. I work for myself. I have a transcription business and it was so hard. I was like, how am I going to go and sit in front of this computer? Yeah. But you're just like, it was the response from people when we got home was amazing. I wasn't expecting all that. I thought I'd just go home and go back to work and, you know, be a bit sad. But I mean, every single day, even still people ask me about it. And uh, the people in Bunkrana have been, you know, yeah, so I mean, you, you can't, you thing. can't it's, do this type of thing on your own. I mean, who, who do you have to thank? Who, who was around you and who was supporting you to do this? Well, I was really lucky because um, I got funding for the trek from the Donegal Centre for Independent Living. Mm. So I have a PA from there. Um, they provide a personal assistance service. So I have Michelle and Deborah sometimes. And they would help me just with, you know, daily stuff. But they have this opportunity fund. And the idea is to give people a chance to do things that they've never done before. Now, this example is a bit extreme, obviously. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I don't think this was in their plan when they set up the Opportunity Fund and then they met Jason and that's kind of what he does. So um, they had the funding already for this before I even knew about it. So I didn't even have to think about a massive, you know, a massive part of it, which was amazing. And then Jason's an ambassador for the Great Outdoors, so he took me to Dublin and they got me loads of gear and clothes and like I just sat there it was like Christmas I just sat there and I filled the trolley with stuff and they were just so encouraging and brilliant and so all this happened before I went and then like my family and friends have been amazing you know nobody said they they all said you're a bit crazy but they never said oh you can't do it or you shouldn't do it or it's too dangerous or you know that's the real support you need isn't it the belief in you oh yeah I mean, yeah. that's where it starts. Like, if you don't have people that believe in you, then you're not going to do anything. You know, people say, oh, you're great. You did this. You're blind. It's because you have the support of people that you can do these things, you know. Well, Jennifer, we could talk to you all day. Honestly, you are in, an inspiration. The fact that you've managed to do that is just absolutely phenomenal. As you said, as a human, forget everything else. That's just an amazing achievement. Congratulations. I uh, hope to come back down to earth, <laughs> literally and figuratively, isn't too, <laughs> too stressful for you. Uh, and let's not go to the slide in Avondale together. I think we should no. definitely avoid that. No chance. You have to uh, come back to Letterkenny. Me and my guide dog were in the audience when you were in uh, on Greenham. On Greenham? Oh my God, so I remember you and your guide dog. Yeah, we'll definitely yeah, come back, Jennifer. I do remember you. That was brilliant. Oh, what a small world. Amazing. We'll definitely do that. If we go back on tour, we'll definitely be in on Greenham. What an amazing theatre. Uh, Jennifer Darty and Donegal, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations. Thanks, Dave. See you. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Dermot and Dave. Weekdays from 9 a.m. Today FM.